0: Listen, I did film and television studies at university for three years. I spent hours reading countless books and articles on subjects, spanning from film all the way to television. Not a single one mentioned Hugh Grant once. I
1: achieved the hardest qualification across any university or college ever, a 2-1 in history. Let me tell you, the only thing that I learned was that we, as a society, have a history of denying and neglecting Hugh Grant's artistic and cultural relevance, not just in this country,
0: but in the entire world. I met Oscar at a Hugh Grant-themed event I put on at the Students' Union.
1: It felt as though Diggory and I were the only ones there. And we agreed that there was a Hugh Grant-shaped hole in academia. We decided to put it by ourselves. We want to show people that he's an icon in acting. We want to show people he's more than just a bumbling posh guy. I'm Diggory Waite. And I'm Oscar Beardmore Gray. And, and this, this
0: is... is... Taking Hugh
1: for Granted.
0: Hello and welcome to Taking Hugh for Granted, the podcast in which two Hugh Grant enthusiasts watch every single film starring Hugh Grant in the attempt to answer the simple question, Is this film Taking Hugh for Granted? Is this film good on its own or does it rely on the bumbling Brit for its acclaim? I'm Diggory Wade, and I'm joined, as always, by my colleague and fellow Hugh Grant obsessive, Oscar Beardmore Gray. Oscar, how
1: the hell are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, Diggs. It's, it's a Friday. We don't we don't yeah. record very often on a Friday, do we? It's quite it's quite nice to sort of end of the week wrap up a bit of taking you. I was going to have a beer. I forgot. I was going to have a beer with me because, you
0: know, I finished my working day, have a beer, but I'm not feeling very good about myself today. I feel like I need to have earned a beer, but today I don't think feel like I've earned one.
1: Well, hopefully you would have earned one by the end of this. Oh,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Oh, mate, after this, I'm absolutely going to crack one. Uh, I can't not because I'm always in a good mood after this. I always feel like I've earned it. But no, last night, it was really bad. And it's a Hugh Grant related story. <laughs> yes, there was a new Hugh Grant interview out Mm. at the time of recording with drew barrymore so i was like of music and lyrics and they were together and i was like oh my days i need to watch this it was 37 minutes long i was so engrossed that i didn't realize what time it was and i had to go downstairs and i was i was going to put my cup and my plate in the sink to soak in some water the next morning my mum comes in my room and she's like, "Oh, it's, it's been a terrible morning." I was like, "Why?" And she was like, "I must have left the sink on last night because the the kitchen's, <laughs> the kitchen's completely soaking." And as I came round, I was like, "No, oh god, oh god!" I was so engrossed by this interview, I turned the tap on and never turned it off. So for at least you know, nine hours, the tap was just going in our kitchen. So the kitchen oh is completely God. ruined. No, and diggery, And you can blame, you can't blame me for that. You have to blame Hugh Grant for that. That's the only <laughs> way you can do it. But yeah, well, my mum must have opened the door this morning to the kitchen and, you know, bits, pots and pans floating around in there. Oh <laughs> my God.
1: Well, okay, Dave, this, this reminds me of another time when we were first living together at university the first evening I was in our new house, I left the gas on. Mm. You know when you, you need to turn the gas off? Yeah. I just turned it all the way to the lowest point so it was still going. And it had been going all night. And I remember waking up at like 10 o'clock, Diggs' mum and Diggs had just come into the house. And all I heard was, oh, my God, the gas is on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like sitting there in my bed, like having just woken up being like, Oh
0: fuck! <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean we had we had barely even entered the house before my mum was like, "What is that awful smell?"
1: And she was <laughs> she was clearly smelling gas. I'm pretty sure uh, it was me, but at least I mean, <laughs> I guess with gas you can potentially blow the house up. At least with yeah. water you can hopefully clear it up. But that sounds like a nightmare.
0: Yeah, because I think I'll be I'll be paying for this uh, either in money or blood. Um, <laughs> refixing my mum's kitchen. But anyway, I think. We should chat a little bit about the context of this film, Nine Months, which came out in 1995. Now, on this podcast, there's a certain something that happened in Hugh Grant's uh, life. We don't want to say career. This wasn't job related. Um, that we that sometimes we skirt over. Let's be honest. We do. However, it's 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 difficult to to avoid it in in this context. We are of course talking about Hugh Grant's dalliance with the sex worker known as divine brown for which he was arrested in 1995 and the reason we're bringing it up today is because the incident happened just two weeks before nine months was due to come out and on the press junket for the film he had to answer a lot of questions
2: let me start with question number one <laughs> what the hell were you thinking <laughs> <laughs> no I don't I, I, I don't say that
1: I don't say that to be clear but I think among most people going what?
2: yeah yeah um well its uh, it's uh, it's not easy um <laughs> you know I, I the thing is um, I, I people give me tons of um, ideas on this one I keep reading new you know psychological theories and stuff like that, that Um <laughs> You know, I was under pressure, or I was uh, overtired, or I was uh, lonely, or I fell down the stairs when I was a child, or whatever. I <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, uh, you know, I, I think it would that would be uh, you know, bollocks, really, to, to hide behind a, right. uh, uh, something like that. You know, you, I think you know in life uh, pretty much what's a good thing to do and what's a, b- a bad thing. And um, I did a bad thing, and th- there you have it. Well okay, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's...
0: It's fascinating because at the time, this captured people's imaginations in some way because he was very upfront about it and it wasn't your classic Hollywood apology where they would be making excuses, they'd say they need to go to rehab, etc, etc. People lauded Hugh Grant for sort of coming out and being like, yeah, I did do it. It was what it was, but that's it. And it's amazing because the film... A lot of people were thinking. I was reading some articles from the time, and they all suggested they were being like, "Oh, you know, is this it for Hugh Grant? Will he ever act ever again?" And the film did really well, and Hugh Grant is—we're doing a podcast about him, so he did
1: fine afterwards. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, this incident still haunts him to this day, doesn't it? Really. Mm, And mm. what I love about that apology, in some ways, is that actually he is almost as bumbling in his apology on the show as he is in his acting at the time. So mm. he came clean, didn't he? I mean, mm. he didn't he didn't try and sugarcoat it. He said he did a bad thing. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think you've got to have respect for that. And he has paid the price. He paid the price for that. And, you know, mm. the newspapers in the UK, especially the uh, the tabloids, went after him. And if you're on Twitter right now and you're, you you go on any Hugh Grant tweet, yeah, if you look in the replies, there's yeah. almost every time a photo of that woman and being mm-hmm. like, "Hugh, you did this," despite the fact that what that happened twenty-five years ago. Now,
0: it's also important to talk about the effect it had on Estella Marie Thompson, who is Divine Brown. That's uh, Estella Marie Thompson is her real name, and I think from interviews and stuff with her since, she looks back on this favourably because she was able to do a number of interviews and TV appearances all based around this um, affair, and she amassed enough money that she moved house she put her children through private school and it sort of kick-started a new aspect of her career she starred in tv shows she started a music career she starred in a film called sunset and divine the british experience in which she played herself and another um adult film actor called mark davis played hugh grant um we might watch that film at some point (laughs) not sure if we can track it down um But I think, as I say, it shot her into the public eye and she, looking back, talks about that favourably. It started this new chapter of her life. But anyway, let's have a synopsis from Synopsis Simon about today's film, 1995's Nine Months. Nine Months, directed by Chris Columbus and released in 1995. Samuel Faulkner, played by Hugh Grant, has the perfect life. That is, until he finds out his girlfriend, Rebecca Taylor, played by Julianne Moore, is pregnant. Now, commitment-phobe and expectant father Faulkner might have to change his lifestyle for better or much, much worse. Right, Oscar. Let's get down to business then. Hugh Grant in this film, what do you think of the look? What do you think of the character? What do you think of... The whole vibe.
1: Well, for, for context, this really was Hugh's breakthrough in Hollywood. Like mm. he, this, he had gone from 1994, four weddings and a funeral, tiny budget, mm. you know, kind of got lucky in a way, cast in the perfect role for him. All the big Hollywood directors saw it said, we want that guy in our, in our rom-com. He gets taken over to Hollywood, huge budget, and basically kind of create a similar kind of comedy to four weddings and a funeral, that kind of bumbling. Mm self it's an interesting look it's 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 quite similar to four when he's in a funeral apart from now he has a monobrow and an earring <laughs> oh yeah the earring <laughs> oh yeah yeah the monobrow don't love it but i think that is the 90s look isn't it you think of you know liam gallagher noel gallagher from oasis all those kind of musicians they, they they had the monobrows hugh is also rocking a monobrow and he looks like what you think of when you think of hugh grant in the 90s he's the floppy hair And then, yeah, and then he adds the earring, which is an interesting look
0: the earring yeah the bit when he adds the earring is when he sort of like he turns into briefly you know he's sort of broken up a little bit from Julianne Moore and goes like it's kind of like the bit in Spider-Man 3 when Tobey Maguire goes he becomes like bad Spider-Man and like starts walking down the street wearing suits all black and like his hair's over to one side and he's like he's like being really weird like looking at girls and being weird that's kind of how and you think god you look awful that's kind of what happens with Hugh Grant when he starts wearing the earring but yeah it's 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 great and uh, yeah Julianne Moore obviously when she takes him back she's like I will marry you but only if you take that earring out because <laughs> it's dreadful and she's not wrong I had to say the, the the opening of this film when it's Julianne Moore and, and Hugh Grant there and you see the hair and stuff and they're there on the beach it looks like when you watch embarrassing old video of your parents <laughs> you know before the kids were born and I I, I had to say I was I, I the whole it made me very uncomfortable right from the off I, I, di- I didn't I wasn't vibing it at all
2: all right Toast time. Um, This is, amazingly enough, to us. (laughs) Five incredible, incredible years. (laughs) Cheers.
0: There is a lot of kissing in this film. Julienne Moore and Hugh Grant kiss each other a lot. And I think that's why I was annoyed. I was like, it's, it's painful to watch Hugh kiss another woman so much um, for me. Uh, so, so, um, so that's probably why I didn't like it that much.
2: Samuel? Yeah? Do you want more? No, thanks. No, I've had lots.
0: No, no, not lunch. I, I mean more for us.
2: By which, by which you mean um, the big M, mariage. Well... Right? Yeah, um, I'm over 30, and I I feel like something's missing. Okay. Well, you know, what, what could possibly be missing? Let's look at that, because, uh-huh. you know, we live in a fantastic apartment. My practice is really good. It's thriving, as they say. I, you know, we get on, I think, better than most married couples. Sure. And I, I'd say life was dangerously close to perfection, actually. You know? So, uh, you know, why would you want to change things? Why? change what's
0: perfect yeah right this film basically rests on the idea that Hugh Grant has been going out with Julianne Moore for five years he's living what he thinks is the perfect life he has he's he loves his car (laughs) he's really he really does love his car (laughs) he loves his car he's happy with his flat you know he loves his girlfriend and at the beginning actually they seem like everything's fine and then she is pregnant and that really freaks him out now that might be due to the fact that he's a child psychologist or psychiatrist and the fact that the only time we do see him in, in work, he has this like sort of devil child <laughs> <laughs> who who understandably might make him be put off kids. But also he speaks to Jeff Goldblum. There's some amazing actors in this film. And Jeff Goldblum is obviously really anti kids as well. And you know, I mean, what I found interesting about this is do you do you see Hugh as the bad guy in this film?
1: that's a really interesting question mm. i've been trying to wrangle my brain as to actually what i think about this film yeah i i don't think Hugh is meant to be the bad guy no like he's meant to be the rom-com lead he's meant to be the guy that we are rooting for mm. but it's hard to root for him because he's such a dick <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly it's I
0: still can't quite get behind the fact that he doesn't want to have the kid. It does, and he goes about it obviously in a in a bad way. But it's interesting because he is the protagonist. It feels like you should naturally want to root for him, but it feels like he's the bad guy. So it's so weird. It pits you at the beginning in this weird way. Where you, for me, at least, I was like, well, I don't know where I stand right now.
1: He's in his thirties. Life is going perfectly for him, and then when Julianne Moore says that she is pregnant it's like the wheels just completely come off. Mm-hmm. You know, he's mm-hmm. thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to lose all my independence. We're never going to have sex again. Yeah. I'm going to have to make loads of sacrifices, like sell my car and <laughs> get rid of my cat, who's like yeah. 16 years old. And, and then he starts forgetting all her ultrasounds and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, you just, you just wonder whether, like, if someone I knew behaved like that now, i would tell them to get a grip what's so what's so clever in in some ways about this film i think and you know what i maybe i'm
0: gonna go out there and say it's clever because hugh grant has holds this position he sees jeff goldblum who's this smoking his hair is so good he's got a brilliant body he's with some young new lovely chick that he's picked up and they go and see see uh jeff goldblum and jeff goldblum's like yo dude kids suck then the same weekend he meets tom arnold the actor
1: and his wife marty
0: yes and they have three young girls and these girls suck they are the worst they they are they're everywhere they're all over the place they're crazy the dad is the most like obnoxious loud annoying guy who just is chatting at the dinner table and just won't stop going on about how great his kids are and it's just like mate shut up and so when you when you see that you can understand why Hugh Grant from all these angles is thinking kids suck i mean Jeff Goldblum thinks they suck this guy this dad sucks his kids suck like yeah kids Kids do suck. You can understand it. And what I thought was fascinating, and this is what I wanted to say to you, it reminded me of Quentin Tarantino's thoughts on that scene in Joker, where the Joker is there with Robert De Niro at the talk show. And Robert De Niro isn't a bad guy. His character, you know, the talk show host, he's just an arsehole, right? He's just an arsehole. The bad guy is the Joker. The Joker has done awful, unspeakable, terrible things. He's the Joker. He's one of the most famous villains of all time. So... And yet, in the scene with Robert De Niro, you're sat there rooting for the bad guy. You're you're thinking, if this scene ends and Robert De Niro doesn't get a bullet through his head, then this has been a bad scene. And somehow, as an audience, we are... We're rooting for the bad guy. How terrible mm. is that? You, you, That switch has happened. In this scene, it's exactly the same. The rom-com version. It's the rom-com version. I'm sat there with Hugh Grant thinking, you're the bad guy here, and yet I want you to punch Tom Arnold in the face. Him and his children are so annoying, and they all suck. Punch
1: him. Punch him now. And uh, <laughs> That's such a good point. I love that. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just... Hugh's face, you can't not root for it. And maybe that's why they thought he would be the perfect character for this, because exactly. And it comes back to the other point that we had when we spoke with Jess mm. on the podcast "Notting Hill," it's kind yeah. of like Hugh represents a sort of gentler side of masculinity. Mm. And I think that's if you cast like, I don't know, some really butch, you know, masculine man in this role. It wouldn't even, you know, everyone would just think it's terrible, like it's a complete mm. stereotype of men just, you know, getting rid of all their responsibility and, mm. you know, not giving a shit about whether they're a good dad or whatever, all that kind of, mm. you know, th- all those kind of stereotypes. But because Hugh is like a gentler, more bumbling character, mm. you can make a film on this premise, which I think is kind of a stupid premise.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a stupid silly premise. And like you say, and you can you can follow him on his journey to to turning it around. Whereas with yeah, like you say, it, with other actors maybe from that that the position that he takes at the beginning, I would just instantly be like, You're the bad guy and I hate you. Whereas with Hugh, I was like, You're the bad guy and Okay, I'm along for the ride. Yeah. And right now, in fact, I want you to punch Tom Arnold in the face.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's also a fantastic scene which I just want to add on um, yes. if if where um Marty and Hugh are in a toy store and um <laughs> There's a dinosaur, a guy dressed up as a dinosaur, and the dinosaur is basically every time Marty turns away, just goes,
2: Yeah, penis head. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. and he's like, No, I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) And then, after the third time, basically they're in a toy store and they just start, Hugh and Marty end up like trying to beat up this this toy dinosaur. It's It's quite amusing.
2: That's it. No! Yes! Marty! oh No, no! Marty! Hey, get off yes. me, you fat bastard! I'll Oh, Shovanone loves your lunch lunchbox up your ass! That right. hey. ah. hey. hey. There was nothing! Marty! Daniel! You? Hi, Annie! What are you doing oh, with you? you're such a jerk! Shh, we're in trouble. Oh, sure, yeah. run to Marty! Come on, I'll wipe the floor with you! Uh-oh.
0: That is... That is mental, Right? That is mental. That scene is crazy. And that scene dr- doesn't drive the plot at all. It's just a random scene in there that's meant to be funny. And to be honest, it kind of was. But it was really weird and mental. And what it really, really cemented for me was in this film, men get away with so much. Like, at, in that scene, they've just beaten the shit out of Barney the dinosaur. <laughs> and, the, and their and their wives just go, Oh, what are you guys like? Like, get back <laughs> over here. And they, they leave the shop all fine. And I think now is a good time to speak about another
1: man who gets away with murder in this film, Robin Williams. Mm, what an interesting, what an interesting choice of a casting there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Robin Williams plays. Oh god, Robin Williams. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I'm about to say this. It's such a. I can't wait to hear what you think about this. Robin Williams plays a Russian doctor who's basically filling in whilst Julianne Moore's usual doctor is away on holiday. And he's this Russian doctor who's only ever operated on mice. And monkeys. <laughs> and monkeys. And now he's going to deliver his first baby and it's going to be Julianne Moore's. Um, what were your thoughts on on Robin Williams' his
1: character and his performance in this film? Oh, well, um, I mean, if it was anyone else, I would have said it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because it was Robin Williams... Yeah, it made me laugh. It, I yeah. mean, it was really stupid. His Russian accent is ropey, questionable.
0: <laughs> it's so ropey. I mean, um, we're, we're big fans of ropey a- 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 accents round here, as we know from Hugh's many, many weird and wonderful accents. But really, you know, Robin Williams is a top actor and a top comedian, and even this is a shy accent. It's all over the place.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because. Chris Columbus who directed this film also directed Mrs Doubtfire where Ron Williams is the lead and that's that's one of Chris Columbus's most acclaimed films and that's excellent. Yeah. So I mean, he, he obviously just wanted to give him a little bit of a little bit of a run out here. And yeah, I was a bit over the top, but for what it was, it was relatively light-hearted. It made me laugh. What do you think? I mean, well, Hugh Grant when asked about working with Robin
0: Williams, just said, he basically said two things. He just said...
2: And he's a very nice chap. Very, very hairy. I was, that was the first thing that surprised me. <laughs> he is hairy, he? Well, he is hairy. I just, is hairy. I mean, really, amazing. There were days I thought we were doing Congo, and it was... But he was... He was um, tremendously nice i mean but you know but it's it's odd i never heard an actor described as hairy well it was just the first thing i noticed they they said here's robin williams and you know i took a step back like, wow
0: (laughs) um so he was jealous of how funny he was uh you know and and the fact that you really can't like he is just working at a thousand miles an hour and he's bouncing off the walls and stuff i mean the only thing for me is like it's so great to watch robin williams in anything because he really is he is fun to watch and look at you know, but the accent was odd and I think he added a bit too much chaotic energy <laughs> for me. Yes. Well, you're listening to Hugh Grant taking Hugh for granted on the radio. Hugh Grodd, taking Hugh for granted. Oh, the podcast show. The ending of this film, um, it, it, it basically... <laughs> all comes together julianne moore is giving birth so is marty's wife and guess who's delivering both children <laughs> it is it's our lovely friend robin williams it is have you seen the film mother with uh, jennifer lawrence and javier bardem no i haven't it, uh, w- people who have seen it i d- don't watch it it's terrifying um <laughs> but people who have seen it at home will know what i'm talking about the last the last 20 minutes of that film is the most fucked up shit I've ever seen in my entire life. And this ending to this film reminded me of that. (laughs) It's chaos. It's like, it's loud. It's all over the place. It's slapstick weird comedy where Robin Williams is falling over himself. He's shoving his face in people's vaginas whilst they're trying to (laughs) give birth. All the men in it are shouting at each other. One's got a camcorder. One's got a camcorder eventually gets smashed. And this goes on for a long time. I know, it's a long scene. Did you think it was funny? Or or maybe that's a leading question, but what, did you did you like the, the ending scene? No, if I'm being
1: honest, I thought <laughs> no. it was really bad. I, <laughs> yeah. I was just wondered if I was just being weird and annoying, but no. No, no. It was it was really over the top. And I don't really know. It, it, it was one of those scenes where it was kind of like you make it really loud and really chaotic and then you think you're making it funnier by making it go even louder and even more chaotic and you lose all the kind of like comedy and subtlety that you had maybe when it was like at this level then you went up that level and it's like let's talk louder and do more even more stupid things and you actually make it worse and just more ridiculous
0: yeah exactly I mean you go from Hugh Grant smashing that guy's camcorder on the floor to then that guy turning around and pushing Hugh Grant onto an operating table and it flipping over and then you go to Robin Williams falling over them both and where does his face land in someone's crotch who's trying to deliver a baby like it, it goes from mental thing to mental thing and like you say don't get me wrong this film if you've seen a Chris Columbus film before, a lot of them, you know, over-the-top things happen. We're talking Home Alone. We're talking Mrs. Doubtfire. You know, that's kind of the charm and the fun of these... Well, those are family films. I wouldn't say this is a family film by
1: any any stress of the imagination. Um, This is for men who don't want to have babies.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, you know, crazy shit happens in this film, and some of it's quite funny. Like, you messaged me yesterday when you watched it, and you were being like... (laughs) You you just messaged me being like, uh praying mantis <laughs> hugh grant has these nightmares because uh Julianne moore mentions that praying mantises eat the dad of their children after they've given birth or after they have sex yeah. the woman then eats the man so he keeps imagining that she's a praying mantis and you know there's some there's some crazy wacky stuff going on there like some of it's funny but that ending scene goes on for far too long and there's far too much crazy shit going on and it's just not funny at all. Mm. Well I'm taking you I'm taking you for granted Well I'm taking you Well I'm taking you for granted Hugh Grant when he talks about this film, says this is the film that he shouldn't have said yes to, mm. for a number of reasons. He said that when you know after Four Weddings and the Funeral, after it did so well, his LA agents were being like, "Come on, come on, come on, make a film, make a film." And They were getting worried about how how many films he was saying no to. As we know, Hugh Grant is picky AF, and he was saying no to everything. And eventually, he felt semi pressured to say yes to this. It had a great cast, as we know, some amazing names: Chris Columbus, fantastic director, and he did it. And he felt like. Because he was getting paid so much more money as well. He felt like he had to act to that level. And Mm. he says now, he was like, I I played it way over the top. And I have to say, his performance in it, at times when he could have done with subtlety and stuff, some of his acting is so, he overacts quite a lot. I, I agree with him there. I think he does. And I think that scene as well is a great barometer of showing you like, yeah, this film is very, very over the top. I mean, would you agree with him? Do you think he should have said yes to this film?
1: Uh, I I have some sympathy with him, I think, because I think it would have been tough to say no to a film with such a great cast and someone like Chris Columbus. And, you know, when you hire someone like Robin Williams to come and do like a sort of slapstick comedy scene, it's hard not to go with the flow and probably try a bit too hard and just o- overact like you said and I don't think he, I don't I don't think there's anything on Hugh necessarily I mean he was very honest and candid like you said when he kind of said that he thought that everyone else was brilliant and he was rubbish mm-hmm. I mean he's mm-hmm. Hugh Hugh likes to kind of self-deprecate like that I'm sure he didn't necessarily think he was terrible but it's part of the learning curve isn't it you're not going to be he would have learned after this performance that, you know, he doesn't need to be that over the top. He doesn't need to pander to Hollywood in the way that he probably did a little bit here. Mm. Um, so I would say that it's just part of the journey. You know, he will probably learn a lot from doing this film. You got to work with some terrific people. So, yeah, not his finest work, maybe, but worth it.
0: That's a great point and I think maybe one of the things that we love about Hugh now is he doesn't say yes to everything and I think this would have reminded him to be himself. Don't back down, double down. So after he said yes to this and maybe thinks he made a mistake from then on he never made the same mistake ever again.
1: Taking he for ground grounded. Taking he for ground grounded. Taking he for ground, he for ground What did you think lads? Were they taking he for ground ground? So Diggory uh, nine months Are we taking you for granted? Do you know what, Oscar? I am going to say...
0: This is usually... I'm saying to you off air, this is the kind of film that you would expect me to tear to shreds. And this is the kind of thing that usually I think I would be like, this is bad, this is bad, this sucks, this sucks, get rid of it, this is crap. This film is not taking you for granted. Wow. This film this is what I'm talking about it has enough edge and enough talking points and enough weird batshit crazy stuff that it's definitely fun to watch whether you watch it to hate it or whether you watch it and love it it's great and Hugh Grant is the main man he gets top billing he does some weird and wacky stuff he overacts and it's funny and at the end, it's kind of heartwarming, I guess, <laughs> despite you know Robin Williams falling over, over the place. And it's an important film in his filmic career, as you say, first big film in Hollywood. So for me, this film is not
1: taking Hugh for granted.
0: What about yourself?
1: Wow, uh, Diggs, I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm going <sighs> to say it is taking Hugh for granted. Yeah. Firstly, to, to focus on Hugh, I think I agree with Hugh. The fact that he said he, he was poor in this film, I mm. think suggests... That we should acknowledge that this is taking key for granted. I also think that maybe I'm being too woke here, but this is the classic '90s rom-com that focuses way too much on the male protagonist. Mm. And I know that you can look at this just as a surface level and have fun with it, etc. But the reality is that is a film about a woman being pregnant, and we focus on all the kind of stuff that the in reality, the man's role is so small in this ordeal. The woman <laughs> mm. is the one who's having the baby. She's mm-hmm. the one who's, you know, her breasts are getting massive. She's probably feeling terrible. She's got, you know, she's, she's being sick. sick
0: all the time. Yeah, yeah, and
1: all that kind of stuff. And all we, all Hugh can worry about is when he's getting his <laughs> neck shag in. Yeah, and what, what, whether he has to sell the Porsche, whether he has to sell his car, whether his poor cat's going to be all right. So yeah. I just think the message is a little bit outdated. Mm. But like you said, you can look at this film and just take it for what it is. It's it's relatively funny. But I'm gonna also agree with the reviewers, the box office. This has like twenty-seven percent on IMDB. It's like thirty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: The reviews are bad, but the money was good. It
1: it was it made money. Yeah, it made money, digs. but like yeah. I don't think anyone anyone remembers this film as a classic and I'm not going to remember it as one of Hugh's classics. I came away from the film and thought that was a bit rubbish if I'm being totally honest. So I'm glad that we disagree though. It's fantastic that you you appreciate it more than I do but I'm going to stick to my guns and say we are taking you for granted.
0: I think you should and I think you're absolutely right. I'm really glad... You mentioned that as well about the women. I just want to—I just want to say I completely agree because I felt that as well. I think this film would have been a lot stronger if you had both of their reactions. You sort of like juxtaposed the two characters with each other, and you would show scenes of Julianne Moore doing her thing and doing funny stuff and and her issues with it, and you show Hugh Grant's and you know, and then you know they come together again. That would have been a lot more fun, and especially because there was that such touching moment where the mother of Marty's children says these really encouraging words to Julianne Moore, like the only time two women in the film ever speak. And yeah. it was a really touching, sweet moment in the toy shop. And I was like, I remember thinking to myself, God, I want more of this in this film. And I never came by the end. So you're absolutely right to
1: bring that up. I, I wrote in my notes, that was the only time where it's like, we get a sense of what the women are feeling in this film. Mm. Apart mm. from that, it's all about Hugh's car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I've been actually reading, I just wanted to add at the very end, I've been reading Matthew McConaughey's new book, uh, oh, Green yeah. Lights. And Matthew McConaughey says in it, he's he was kind of the next man down the, on the rank after mm. Hugh Grant in terms of being cast in rom coms. And he had this moment similar to Hugh Grant's in the part of the mid 2000s where he was only roles he was getting were rom com roles. He would get a script every other week to be in mm. a new rom com to play the same role, the same guy. And he made conscious decision where he said, I'm gonna switch out of this. I'm gonna change tact. I wanna I wanna reinvent myself, which is kind of what he did. And he and the reason he said that was because one, it was getting very samey and he was being known as the same playing the same role. But also Mm -hmm. he felt that the characters he was playing in rom coms were kind of outdated in a way where every single time it was about a man, he does something bad and Mm -hmm. then the woman takes him back. But his Mm -hmm. problem was that the woman always takes the man back. But the man is such, like, why would you want to take that man back? Because the mm. man is being really terrible. And I think that is encapsulated in this film. Because why, like Hugh, he's been a bastard, basically. He's left his girlfriend of five years with no one to care for her mm. when she's pregnant. And it kind of speaks for the, this rom-com that she would even want to take someone who's been not very nice to her back.
0: Yes, You can redeem yourself. Yes, it does. You know, it's not cancel culture. It's not one and done. He can come back from this, of course. However, all he does is read a book. And she's like, you've read the book? And he's like, I've read the book. And she's like, come on, we're getting married. So you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I have to say, regardless of this film, good or bad, I have loved talking about it and I love watching it. A lot of talking
1: points, definitely.
0: And that's why I I just had to make the decision I did because I'm just like, there's just so much to talk about and dig our teeth into, sink our teeth into. Indeed. Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for listening yet again. Please do follow us on all the socials. We're at Taking You For Granted on instagram and facebook and at taking you on twitter you can email us taking you for granted at gmail.com if you want to chat or wax lyrical thank you so much for listening everyone and we'll see you next time bye everyone bye taking you for granted is produced edited and presented by diggory Waite and oscar beardmore Gray. The producers of Taking Hugh for Granted would like to state that this podcast is in no way associated with the actor Hugh John Mungo Grant, nor does it endorse his views or represent him in any way. Instead, by creating this podcast, Oscar and Diggory hope to celebrate Hugh's illustrious career, reliving his old classics and shedding light on some of his hidden gems. Hugh, if you're listening, we hope you approve.